Welcome back to the Don't Stop Me Now podcast. I am your host, Jennifer Vaughn, and this week's guest is someone who I've been connected through social media kind of since the beginning um, of my YouTube video. Her name is Mishta Russell, aka Mishta Madness. That's her IG and YouTube handle. This colorful, loving, outspoken, and funny lady was a pleasure to have on. She's been through hell and back many times, let me tell you in her life and her strength is simply inspiring. She's a mother of two. She has handled her HIV diagnosis with grace. And this is me deal with it attitude that we can all take a lesson from. I'm so sorry. There is a lot of static in the call. We did this call two times and it just didn't clear up two separate days. And for some reason it was through Zoom. We could not get the static to clear up on our end. I felt it was important to share even if the quality of the audio wasn't at its best. I'm pleased to introduce to you, Mishta. Okay. Are you there? There we are. Hey, okay. Oh, yay. <laughs> oh, goodness. My dogs think you're here. <laughs> Let me introduce you. Your name is Mishta Russell, and we had gone into uh, your name being Mishta. And you can tell again if you want to tell how your name came to be, because I had always thought it was, I wasn't ever sure if I was calling you Mishta or Mishta, if it was correct, but you said both are, so... Yeah, both are fine, but um, it's usually Mishta, mm-hmm. and, and that's how they said it to me. And when I had gotten the name, my original, my my actual name is Lynette, and my mom gave me that name when I was born. And that's all. That was a, it. Was a good name. It just I didn't feel French. It didn't feel like it fit me my whole life. But I was never worried about it. I wasn't going to like change my name. But mm-hmm. I was taking a bus to California to leave a crazy family family situation. I was like, I think 16. Mm-hmm. And I was going back then, the best way was Greyhound. So I was taking the Greyhound the cheapest way possible. And that was up through the northern Midwestern states. Where were you leaving from? I was leaving from Virginia. Okay. Virginia on your way to Los Angeles. Yeah, because my family moved around a lot when I was younger, and my mom had moved to Virginia, and I had issues with my stepdad. He was very uh, abusive, very controlling, mm. and had me you know, locked in an institution for things that I wasn't even doing. It was really mm. things that I think he was doing. And <laughs> wow. So I was like trying to escape a really crazy family life, and... I left on the Greyhound. I mean, I had all this other family stuff that had happened before this. And I just went, okay, I'm out of here. I have to get out of here. I want to go to LA and see if I can make something out of myself in Hollywood. I, I don't have anybody. I knew no one there and I knew no one along the route. I just said, I'm going. I just, I hate my life right now and I'm out of here. I actually, I, I didn't talk to my mom for like seven years. Oh, was, wow. Yeah, I didn't talk to her for a long time. And we've made peace now, but I just... I was going to say, I was assuming she, well, you had alluded to the fact that your stepfather was abusive and did she side with you or him? Is that part of it? She was signing with him mm-hmm. in for the longest time. And then it took her to move away and for him to start doing it more to her mm-hmm. than she realized what was going on. But wow. I didn't know about any of that. I had to leave it all behind because he was so abusive. And so, I mean, he was verbally abusive at the time with my parents, with my mom, Mm -hmm. but he wasn't physically abusive yet. And I knew it was like a step away. And it was just, you know, with me, it was more physically abusive. And I just didn't, I didn't know how, like whenever I said anything to her, she just didn't believe me because Mm. he had a job and he 
paid the rent and he did all these great things, but he was a jerk and mm-hmm. he was very and very demeaning and he was actually doing drugs. We found out after, but at the same time, it's, I mean, I was, I was so freaked out over him. I actually was hiding in the bushes once with a bat mm-hmm. ready to just like attack him if he oh. came home that night because he was so abusive. And I was like, I realized what I was doing while I was standing there with the bat. I'm like, what am I doing? I have to leave this situation. I am not this person. This is not who I am. And I was like, I have to leave. And so I, that was like the night I packed and just left. Mm-hmm. I left all my friends. I didn't tell anybody where I was going. It was crazy. I mean, wow. people probably, my mom probably thought I was kidnapped. Oh, and, wow. Except for the fact that I packed a bag and well, she she probably thought somebody else was in on it and just took me because she probably thought, oh, she'll go to a friend's house and call me a day. She'll cool down and she'll be fine because I had done that before. Mm-hmm. But it was like I packed all my little bag of belongings and left. Wow. And I took all the money that I had, had saved up, which wasn't much, but back then you could take a bus ticket, a cheap one up mm-hmm. through those northern states and across and go down to Hollywood. And so I did that. It was really, it was like under a hundred dollars like mm-hmm. to do that whole trip. It was probably like only like 50 bucks or something crazy. And so I, it was, it was, it was pretty crazy. And I was just determined to get away from that life. And so it was really a trip when the bus broke, it didn't break down, it stopped. And I got off the bus and was going to the bathroom and I didn't even have my bag with me. I thought, I'm just get right back on the bus. And for whatever reason, they left. I think it was because I was sitting there waiting for all the other older people that like, because I was super young. And so I was like, oh my God, all these people, they just want to, you know, goof around at this stop. And they're, and they were really just going to the bathroom or whatever. But right. I was just being an impatient teenager, just being a jerk. And I was like, fine, I'm going to go to the bathroom too. And I finally got off the bus and go, went to the bathroom. And so that's where I probably should have took my bag because I didn't know, oh, they're going to wait for me. I thought the world revolved around me and they would see that I was gone and they would wait for me. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> they left. So, yeah, yeah, they left. And the person that was working there was Native American and he was very cool. And yes, I know you're not supposed to go home with strangers or anything like that, but I was in a desperate situation. I didn't know what to do. And he was like, here, come home. My family will help you. And we'll at least give you shelter so you can get the bus, the next bus. <clears throat> and he goes, and it might not be to where you want to go, but you can get a bus to a bigger city and go to where you need to go and all that. And I went, fine. And I was freaking out. And I just remember at that time, I, you know, I thought I knew everything. I thought I was, you know, going to go and rule the world in L.A. And, you know, all these things, these big ideas that were going on in my head. I thought I could never, I would never look back. Nobody would have to know who I was. I was going to, and I was thinking, I'm going to change my name and I'm going to be a totally different person. What did you want to do in Hollywood? I wanted to try to go be a movie star. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like everybody. It's the dream. Back then there was no YouTubers because I thought my, I thought I was the shit. I mean, excuse my language. Yeah, I mean, I really thought that I was all that and life should go the way I want it to go, no matter how my parents treated me. And I've got this cool story now that my dad tried to have me locked up from these things I weren't doing. And, you know, I mean, I just thought I had it all. I was still intimidated and scared and all that, but I was like, how does the uh, HIV come into your life? What happened? 
Um, actually, I didn't get it. I lived in LA for quite a few years, and I did my thing. And I actually I moved to Tahoe before oh. I ever found out. Mm. I was in Tahoe, and I was pregnant with my daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It came from Los Angeles, yep. right? So did mine. I believe it did. Yeah, we're a lot alike. <laughs> we realize that our birthdays are like weeks apart. We're both 50. Yeah, it's crazy. Okay, so you are you a Virgo? I'm actually a Libra. Yeah, we're really close though. So you're in Tahoe and you're pregnant yep. with your daughter. Yep, and thinking all's well. But at the same time, I knew I had that life in Hollywood. So I was like, and when I had moved to, Ta- to Tahoe, I first right away, I went, okay, we had this crazy lifestyle. Let's get tested. And my roommate and I went and got tested. We, back then, it was like you could do the anonymous testing. They'd call you on the phone. And I'm pretty sure that if it was a positive, they would have said, we need to have you come in so we can talk to you. But when it was negative, they're like, what number do you have? It matches this number. And there you go. They could give you the results. I was 100% negative. And so I was like, okay, this is cool. Yay. But I did not think about it when that same ex-boyfriend came to visit me while I was living in Tahoe, we were intimate. And I did not think about the fact that he, just because it was negative already, doesn't mean that he, whatever he was doing down there wasn't something that could put us at risk when he came back up to visit. This was years before I was ever pregnant because I had realized, okay, he's still doing drugs. He's still doing all this crazy stuff. So it's over. I'm in Tahoe alone. He's not going to come back. And if he does, I'm not going to see him. I'm just like, no, 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 no. Didn't think to go get tested again. Didn't think about it because I had already been negative. Didn't even think about it. Just moved on with my life. It was crazy. I mean, I had gotten one time in between then and when I found out. One time I got really sick with the flu and it was really bad. And I got better. Mm-hmm. I got totally better, moved on with my life again, and was like, okay, no big deal. It was just the flu. It was right after I'd moved up there. It was like the first winter. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, it was my first winter up here. I wasn't used to snow and craziness. You know, I'm from LA. And so I just chalked it up to that. Mm-hmm. And then I got together with my daughter's, my daughter's dad, and we worked together at the pizza place. I was the manager, and he was the pizza dude. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and it was kind of a trippy situation because you know I never dated anyone I worked with before and stuff but you know it yeah it was all good Mm -hmm. and we got really close we were together for quite a while like a couple a few years before I ever got pregnant and so we were together for quite a long time totally you know we're intimate you know did our relationship thing and you know he taught me how to snowboard he taught me how to rock climb I had this really great active life now and I was all healthy and doing stuff and I had a good job. So it was like, it was really weird because I, when I was pregnant, I was just like, you know, I'm just going to get all these tests done. I know I live this crazy lifestyle and whatever. And, and I have actually know when I lived in LA, I knew lots of men that had it. You know, I had one of my best friends had AIDS actually, but mm-hmm. he was on medication and his big thing was, it's a new thing, but you can have AIDS, have your medication and be dealing with it. And still my virus is undetectable, which we didn't, we were like, what, what you mean your virus and your, your disease or different things. What are you talking about? We didn't know it was up. I just, I loved him because he's my best, best friend. So I just believed him and went, you know, I believe it. It's science. 
who do we, what do we know? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And he was one of the first people I ever met that was saying that he could, he couldn't give it to someone because he took his meds all the time, but yet he still had AIDS. Yeah. And he couldn't give it to anyone. It was like the very beginning of when they were finding out what the medication can do. Well, I knew that um, when I went to Amsterdam, that they said that they always knew that a very low viral load always equated to, you know, lack of transmission. So that it was always there's this equation that if the viral load was low, that it wasn't as easy to transmit. So, of course, if it's at its lowest, they weren't really able to say that it couldn't be transmitted. But I think they kind of knew it, but they had to do the studies to prove it. So he must have been aware of that. Yep. And so I already knew about all these things. And I had actually said something funny to her dad. I was when I got my test when I was pregnant, I go, you know, I'm going to get all the tests. I'm even getting the HIV test, even though I tested negative way back in the day. You never know mm-hmm. what can happen with that, you know, and I go and I might as well just get it checked. I go. So I get and I kind of and it was kind of funny because I jokingly threatened him. I'm like, and don't you dare try to leave me. If anything happens, because mm-hmm. I'll just hunt you down. <laughs> and, you know, and I made a joke with him. And he's like, I would never leave you if you remember my baby. And, you know, all this. And so it was kind of a joke that we had. And then when I was pregnant with Kedwin, my oldest, I found out because the doctor did the, the regular routine testing of everything, you know, mm-hmm. all the things. Mm-hmm. And I said, yes, check this off, check this off, check them all off and, and tell me what's up. And so I knew if anything was wrong with me, I wasn't going to like be ashamed or freaked out. I mean, I, I, might, I was going to be freaked out, but I wasn't going to be like ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. I was just going to, it was just going to be what it was. I mean, I didn't have a plan. I didn't think I was, I was just like, but it's not going to happen. I was already tested. So it's no big deal. So you can think in your head, Oh yeah, I'm prepared for this. And da, da, da. But you're really not. <laughs> you're <Right>. really not. <laughs> what year was it? It was 90, the very beginning of 97. He tested me before Christmas, but because it was the holiday, I didn't find out until after New Year's. Mm. And he actually waited, the doctor waited a whole week. He waited till the 9th of January to tell me. And I was kind of mad about that because I was like, look, it clearly states it was before Christmas that you got this test results. I'm like, why didn't you have someone contact me? But I was like, nope, nope. He probably just didn't know how to do it. Don't get mad at him. It's all good. But then he asked me if I wanted to leave out the back door. I'm like, oh. what? And I freaked out. I like uh, my, my, oh my God, my baby and I are going to have AIDS left my brain. And I went, what the heck did you just say to me? You will not treat me or any person I know like that no and I just kind of flipped that switch and it was weird because I was like for that short time between dealing with him I stopped crying I just like it was like a whole different moment and it was just it was weird it was like I was like I told him off and then I walked out of there and I held my head high because no one in that room knew I was like no one is gonna know and it was all because I had all these activists they are the ones that told me, do you not, you know, we don't have to be ashamed. We don't have, you know, and they told me all the things and I thank them for being able to give me that attitude or else I would have left in tears out the back door crying, thinking I was the dirtiest thing and da, da, da. And I wasn't dirty. I had no reason to be ashamed. 
That is very unusual. That reaction is so rare because most people, their initial reaction is completely feeling dirty and horrible. Well, my, um, I was in tears. I thought, oh my God, I'm going to have an AIDS baby. And then when he, as soon as he asked me that though, Mm -hmm. it was like a switch. Mm -hmm. And I really, I really thank the gay men of the community that I knew back then in in Mm -hmm. West Hollywood. I was like, you know what? They're the only reason why that switch went. And I didn't just sneak out the back door crying. Mm, and all of their pride came out in me and I was like whoa okay what happened there it sounds like a bit of like your personality like that you said you know you wanted to go to LA and you were gonna you're like yeah I'm gonna make it I've got this kind of like I've got the right stuff for it it sounds like that's part of who you are and you're like I am not putting up with this crap it sounds like you just had that switch that's kind of like you're a strong person clearly so that's it's amazing that that's kind of what happens so quickly because most people would feel like that's a doctor and they're ashamed and I should be ashamed. But, you know, I think that would have killed me. Props to you. Well, it was, it was kind of crazy because as soon as I left and I was in my truck, because uh, I had to share a truck with my daughter, my kid with father. Mm-hmm. And I was in the truck and I just bust into tears and I just, everything left. I was like, I was not that proud gay person anymore. Mm-hmm. I was a mess. Mm-hmm. And I seriously remember driving because I had to drive from Truckee over to Kings Beach, which is at Lake Tahoe. So it was like a 45 minute drive, half hour, 45 minutes. Mm. And here I am trying to drive. I'm a total mess now. I'm crying. I'm sobbing. I'm thinking I'm going to have this AIDS baby. So I went right back to this weird, crazy, emotional mess and I was losing it. And I remember thinking, actually, when I went up to the top of the mountain, I was like, you know, I could just drive off the edge right now. We're at the very top and I could just drive off the edge and go boom, right in the lake and nobody will ever have to deal with us again. Mm. And I went, wait a minute, what? And then I think the gay person inside me, (laughs) they just went, what? You are not thinking like that, girlfriend. (laughs) I just drove to him and I was this big mess. I was sitting in the car until he took his break because he saw me and as soon as he got over there, I was just bawling and freaking out. I, probably everybody probably thought I lost the baby. Mm. And it was just this big, huge emotional mess. And he ended up taking, I, I believe he took the rest of the day off. It was kind of a, after I thought about driving off the edge of the mountain and then snapped it out of it with a little, I seriously think it was a little gay man inside my head and just said, no, you're not. <laughs> it was kind of funny. And I just like, went okay and I went on autopilot I don't remember how I got from that point to his work I like don't remember any driving I don't remember any of the stops I don't remember seeing any people I knew and this is where I was from I mean this is all my people should have been in between I should have been seeing people I know on the streets and their work you know whatever and I wasn't seeing any of that Mm -hmm. I don't even remember that at all I'm curious at this point you had if you do go back in time, you know, basically when you contracted it, how much time had elapsed from that moment until you found out? It was like a few years because I was with her dad a few years after the guy had come up to try to get me back. And I think that's when he gave it to me because I had already tested negative. And that's why I didn't think anything of it is because he came up to try to get me back. And then I realized, oh, wait, he's sneaking off doing drugs. Oh, wait, no, he hasn't changed. Get the F out. Mm. You know, and I was like, you are out of here. The father of your child that you were pregnant with had already been, I know, clearly exposed to you and he's negative. So 
There for goes years. my theory about yeah. women. And, for years. That's how we knew it wasn't him. Yeah. Again, yep. yeah, women transmitting. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah. so you go through, I think, how did he react? I don't know if it's possible. If he actually was like, you know, oh, I was just saying, I have no idea if a woman that doesn't take care of herself and is sick and whatever, if they can give it to someone. But I know that a woman that is taking care of herself or even any person that's taking care of themselves and on their, on their meds, they cannot transfer. Well, what do you mean taking care of themselves? Cause I didn't know I had HIV and I had oh. AIDS and my, I mean, to me, that's, that's oh, about I, as I bad as you can too. get. And he yeah. didn't get it. I don't know. Maybe if they're like, if they have open sores or if they are seriously sick, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you were intimate with Eric, if yep. when you were seriously sick. Mm-hmm. or you know I actually I thought I was too I had gotten the flu and I was pregnant and everything and you know so technically I didn't like have open sores or anything well but it's I the man that has did. to have the open sores not the woman the man it has to get into yeah, their body know, it's just so hard because you see so many people out there like I have so many friends that are males that are like I never was gay and I never did drugs and I'm like okay mm. But I hate questioning them and being like, you know, that's why I don't date anyone that's HIV positive because either, unless they were honest with me and went, yep, I used to be bisexual or Mm -hmm. I used to, you know, use drugs and I'm clean now or whatever. I mean, if they're honest, I'd be like, okay, the ones that are, that are telling me that they got it from a girl, then I'm like, I can't, it just feels wrong. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I feel bad for thinking that, but. Well, I know. I know that for myself, I would have a very hard time dating somebody who's HIV positive, not because of their virus, but because I would assume that there's this still this chance that they are interested in men or that they had a drug past. So that's, I mean, a lot of people say, yeah. well, that's a lot of stigma, but it's all based on what I see also. So I'm, you know, I'm going based on like information that I see and what I continue to see. Okay. So you're pregnant, um, your husband doesn't have it and you're a thinking that your son's going to have it. And so how'd the pregnancy go? Um, it went, it actually, it was a little crazy. Like when we first went down there and we're talking to the doctor, I had the viral viruses in the millions and I had less, I had 128 T cells. 128. Is that what you said? Yeah. So it was under the 200 mark mm-hmm. and I was scared to death. I mean, he was being there for me the same time. I know he was questioning it that how could you have it if you didn't cheat mm. little comments and stuff, but he stuck it out. He thought he like the doctors explained to him or that she could just have it from someone else mm-hmm. and not to you and not know. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. he had no idea how this whole concept could work. He's like, wait a minute, what she could get it from somebody and then not give it to me and just have it. And they're like, yes, that can happen. <laughs> And he's like, he didn't want to believe him. He was like, that just sounds ridiculous. That just sounds like you're letting women cheat. (sighs) And then no, that's not what we're doing. (laughs) (laughs) But he has his issues of being jealous. I don't know if he would have been that way if he didn't already have his jealousy issues. Mm -hmm. He might've been more logical and gone, oh, that's science. It's true. You know, it's a fact because they can prove it. You know, where he was going, oh, every chick cheats and whatever, because he had other family issues, you know, of Mm -hmm. him and his ex and his mom, you know, so he just automatically thought in the back of his mind that that was going to be a a thing, Mm -hmm. but he still stuck with me. He stuck with me through the pregnancy and we, I think, what was it, three, 
I think she was three, about three, when we split up finally. But it was because of his jealousy and his craziness. And I was like, oh my. Yeah, it was crazy. It's like, first of all, why would I go cheat with somebody on you with someone because I would have to tell them my status? That's not, no one else but you wants to be with me as far as that goes. You know, I go up here, no one knows, has a clue on the science of it. No one. There was like, there was no group meetings. There was no, any social, anything like any, any meetings, no social media, no nothing. So there was just me. I mean, thank God I had knowledge from all the gay men down in West Hollywood, because if I didn't, I would have not known what to do. I wouldn't have known I could be okay. I wouldn't have known any of that. And I wouldn't have known reassure her dad. I wouldn't have known any of that. And I mean, they really, they saved my butt. They really did. They saved my life. <laughs> oh, your daughter was and just born. Okay. And she's HIV negative. She was from the get-go. And oh my gosh, it was it was such a trip because they had me on AZT. That was one of the oldest drugs to fight it. Oh man. And it's one of the only ones they knew of. I don't know about now, but it was one of the only ones they knew of that that they could have a baby and be on the retro- antiretrovirals. They said this is the only drug that you can be on with this other drug. But it's the only one you could be on while you're pregnant. And I was like, okay. But they also said as soon as I had her, even if she was negative, they had to have this liquid form of ACT mm-hmm. given right when she was first born for like the first, I think, week or nine days or something. Mm-hmm. And I was such a mess. This is where I like was a freak because this is new territory for me. I was just like, okay, I got to go home. I just barely had a baby. I'm so I'm pretty, you know, out of shape and just kind of not totally with it, but good. And I'm like, okay, you take the baby home. I'm going to go back out to the pharmacy. And they didn't have it. Oh my gosh. I was freaking out. I was like, my doctor already called it. They ordered it. You can get it from their hospital. Get it now. And I was like freaking out. I mean, I was losing it. (laughs) And it was probably good that I I didn't have anyone else there with me because, I mean, if I was more calm, they might not have actually felt the need of it being necessary because I was like, do I have to start yelling and screaming that I'm HIV positive in the middle of your pharmacy and make people freak out? Like, no one will ever come here again. Do not make me make a scene. And they were like, we will get this medication for you. (laughs) And they told me to wait. And it was like 40 minutes and that medication was there. And, and now was I she mean, C-section or was she vaginal birth? She was vaginal birth. And you at that point were you, do you feel you're undetectable? Oh yes. I was undetectable month after they started the AZT and the other, I don't remember what other medical it was with it. But so it did right after they work. AZT did work for oh, you. Oh yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. did they understand then, okay, the chances of your baby having HIV are going to be, because really it's during the birthing process did they feel like it's safe? Yep. Did they tell you that? My first day there, when I was talking to, and I had a famous doctor. She's very famous. Her name is Trudy Larson. Mm-hmm. And she is amazing. She's really famous in Reno. She's done speeches all over the world. She's gone to Africa and everywhere else. And she was one of the top rated HIV AIDS specialists in the country at that time. And so, so I was just like, okay, I have the best doctor. <laughs> but I was still a mess. My viral load was, you know, in the millions. And I was still, 
and AIDS diagnosis. And I was like, okay, they explained all that. And I was just in tears and Pat was sitting there trying to like not freak out too. And she just took me and hugged me and she goes, we got this. This is what we do. We deliver negative babies. They're all negative. We've never had one be positive. Hmm. And I was like, what? And oh, that helped so much. It really did. The nurses and the in her were amazing. They just were. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So you already had a very good idea that your baby was going to be fine. That's great. They just said I couldn't rescue. Okay. They knew that. Okay. Because there's still really no studies on that, on the safety of U equals U. They feel that it's a really, really low, um, you know, chance of it transmitting, like maybe under a, a percent. Or maybe under 2%, but um, yeah, they obviously don't really recommend it because there's no studies. You can't really ask women to, hey, let's try this yeah. out with a human being and see if the baby gets it or not, you know? So yeah, yeah that's yeah. Um, something that's just kind of different in certain countries, some allow it and some don't, but then the US where they still don't recommend it. Okay, so yeah. no breastfeeding and then- I'm pretty sure I stayed on the AZT for a while because they were like, it's working. Let's just keep you there for a minute. And it was really cool. During this whole time, we were in this so-called study about people with a HIV positive person and a negative person in the couple. And, you know, they were like, okay, technically you should be using condoms, but if you don't, tell us the truth about what's happening, you know, and we'll make sure. So you're yeah. one of the couples. Oh my God. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Yep. We were one of the couples. And so it was really cool because we were like, okay. They tell us we're supposed to use condoms, but then they hint around like if they don't, we're like, like officially like making plots on this graph, you know, of, yes. of what's going on. You know, the scientific data is coming from us. And I'm like, okay, are we good? And so, because at first, it, I mean, I, it's kind of funny, but he would like practically suit up in a saran suit <laughs> at first because he was so freaked out that he was going to get it. And I'm like, you haven't done it this whole time. And we didn't know. But now I'm on meds and I'm undetectable. And now you want to freak out. I'm like, okay. What study was this? Do you remember the name of it? Was it the partner study? I know that it was through the medical, the government medical. They they just were like, okay, you're getting, you know, you have Medi-Cal, whatever. And it was the people in the county office. How long did they follow you and your husband for and, and account for all your sexual encounters? It was... A couple of years. It was, it was until, I think it was until he and I split up. It was like, it was, it was quite a while. They might've not needed all that data. They might've already made decisions way before that, but they were like, okay, I stayed the same counselor and the same regimen and, you know, and, and the same doctor. And so they just kept track of all these things. I did the pregnancy um, study and I also did because they wanted more more information on the pregnancy stuff and then the couple study. And we had both signed up for both. And I was like, and I told them, I was like, I wish I could be out with my status and have everything be okay and not have you lose your job because he was terrified he would lose his job. So you were because, private about your status. Did you tell family? Oh, yeah. Uh, I did tell my family and they were very cool about it. They were like, we don't care. We love you. It doesn't matter. And so they were all really cool with it. And I did tell like my best friend. And ironically enough, for quite a while, one of my best friends worked at the pharmacy. 
And so she was awesome. And she was like, you already know what I know. And I'm like, she's like, you already know what I'm good. You're good. And AZT um, didn't give you any horrific side effects? It did. I was, I had, I was, I was nauseous a lot and it gave me a lot of headaches, but it, those subsided after a while. Like I got used to them. And so I probably didn't notice them as much, mm-hmm. but cause at first I thought it was all the pregnancy and then it stuck mm-hmm. on afterwards and I was like, okay, it's really not the pregnancy. It's probably the meds. And then they finally, they ended up changing me after a while, but it's weird. I'm still on some really old school meds. Like I still take three pills and it's, which I think that if I, because you were saying the, the Devado, mm-hmm. is it what you're on now? Yeah. That's only got two ingredients in it. Mm-hmm. And I think, because they had me on um, Big Tarby, and it was just, it made me kind of weirdly emotional, my son said. He goes, you're very weirdly emotional, very snappy. And he goes, and that can be a side effect of your medication, mother. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And I often kind of wonder sometimes, though, because of one of the meds I'm actually on, it's a booster medication that boosts the Trivada and the Rayatap. The Norbeer is an old school booster that it, it's so hard to come by. Like, no one gets prescribed that nowadays. Mm-hmm. That's what everybody keeps telling me. And they're like, we want to switch you off of it, but everything either gives you rashes all over your body the one gave me like weird mood swings and I was super snappy and weird. And I'm wondering, I'm like, well, I wonder if that booster medication makes my steroid inhalers, it makes me have withdrawals mm-hmm. because they said, oh, you, you might have steroid withdrawals. And I'm like, ah, I mean, how, how long does that last? You know? Right. Right. But so I'm thinking next time I might try to push through if I try get to try to live the bottom. I would like mm-hmm. to just try to push through and see if that goes away. Yeah, I, you know, I'm loving it. Want- I'm, I have no side effects. I want that. I want that. <laughs> yeah, it's the best. It's awesome. When did you come out as public? Because you're out on your Instagram, which is rare. It's funny. When I first, it was when I first found your video, it was right before that. I told my therapist, I go, I'm on, I was on disability for about six years. And it was not AIDS or HIV related at all. I had a bookshelf fall on top of me when I was moving mm-hmm. and because I can hire movers to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so a, a bookshelf falls on me and then I have, it's considered a broken back, but it's not where it can be fixed really. They're like surgery could probably make it worse. We don't want to mess with it. You can do a lot of things with a broken back. That's what the doctor told me. He goes, well, you know, you can do a lot of things with a broken back. A lot of people do. Wow. And I'm thinking I'm in a terrible amount of pain. I can't move my arms right. My hips are all messed up. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm like crippled. I'm walking with a cane sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I'm freaking out thinking, oh, God, the end. And I joked with one of my friends and I go, I, I don't even get to die of AIDS. <sighs> and she went, what? <laughs> but she was like, why would you say that? It's crazy. And I'm like, what's crazy is that I'm crippled right now. And I don't feel like I can get better. And it like, it was a long time that I was walking with a cane and being all broken and crippled. And then I decided, you know what, I got to start doing something that feels good mm-hmm. and give back to people so I can maybe get out of this depression and kind of funk from being hurt. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, the doctors aren't doing anything. They're trying to mask it with gabapentin. And for me, it was an all day, every day thing. Cause it was chronic pain. 
Mm-hmm. So they had me taking like up to 300 milligrams a day. No, it was, I had 300 milligram pills and I was taking them three times a day. So it was like, yeah, I take milligrams. 300 milligrams every day for um, restless leg syndrome. I take it every night. It's the only way it's, I can sleep. not bad. If, if, mm-hmm. if I could have stayed at the 300 mark, it would have been great. But I kept mm-hmm. having to go up and up and up. And I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. And I don't, I didn't feel right going up that high. I started feeling like it was giving me a weird buzz. Like, mm-hmm. no, no, no. And so I told him I didn't want to take that anymore. And I was going to try cannabis. And I wanted to try to go public with my diagnosis, my HIV status, and give back to other people. So I spoke at two different AIDS walks up here mm-hmm. in, in Lake County. And I put it on my Facebook status. And I just came out of the closet, basically. That and was after we got connected. So you were silent for years, like it was, it was just before you could, you and I got connected is when I okay. talked to my first AIDS walk. So you went mm-hmm. like, it was just after that I met you. Okay. So you went like, I can't think right now how many years. So like in the nineties and it's like 2015 or something. I mean, you went like 20 something years yep. keeping this private yep. basically yep. from, so wow. Okay. That's a big, huge step yep. for being silent for so long. It's amazing. It was huge. How did that feel? It was crazy. It was huge. I had so much support. It felt good. It felt really good. Mm-hmm. It really did. And then I found you. I found your your uh, YouTube video and all that. And I was like, because I came out on YouTube too. I started my first YouTube channel as far as, well, not my first one. I already have one for the growing medicine because I had cancer a lot, like right before my daughter, I had my daughter as well. Oh. Right before I had my daughter and before I was pregnant with her, I had cancer, cervical cancer. Okay. And- I could have gotten tested then if I had gotten tested then instead of going, no, I was already tested. I don't need to be tested again. Just deal with this cancer crowd. And the lady was really irritated at me that I didn't want to get tested. And she probably tested me and just didn't tell me because they treated me really mean during that whole surgery. And my daughter's father, she, he was like, why was she being mean like that? I was like, I don't know. Like when she told me, if you need more pain medication, we'll give you more. And then I said, okay, I can still feel that a lot. And she goes, you're fine. You can take it. Oh. And he was like, it took all I had not to get up and punch her. And I go, I'm so glad you didn't. Because she would have maybe messed me up in there. I go, I'm so glad. If she had an HIV diagnosis, though, that's illegal. I bet she did. Because otherwise, there would have been no reason for her to treat me like that. Not that she had a reason to treat me like that. If I, even if I was positive, but me not knowing and her knowing is just wrong, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's just, unheard I, of like I, a doctor yeah, not sharing I, that information. That's, that's totally unethical. Like that yeah. put your life at risk. That, and that's what it was is I think she probably just labeled me as some loser drug addict that didn't want to know because mm-hmm. I was adamant at the time. I was just like, I have cancer. I don't want to know about anything else right now. I already got tested and I was negative. Mm. And I was kind of freaked out, but I was freaked out that I had cancer, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had been tested, but in, in him and I was together and, you know, it was all good. And yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was, and so you, I really you survived me. cervical cancer. Okay. And then, but yes. you recently were diagnosed with breast cancer. Kind of, it runs in my family. I have two aunts that had it and my grandmother and one of my aunts died from it. The other aunt went through all this crazy stuff. And I was like, I will never go through all this crazy biopsy after biopsy and surgery after surgery after surgery, I just wanted it all taken out and done. And I promised myself that at 10, as I watched one of my aunts 
go through that. And the other one was already dead. Mm. I, I had already said it in my mind. You know, it didn't matter what I had looked like. It wasn't a looks thing. It was just a, a preventative thing with me. Mm-hmm. And so when they told me I had cancer, they did the original biopsy and said, okay, it's cancerous. What's the next steps you want to do? And before I even answered what other steps I wanted to do, they gave me all this information, paperwork or whatever, and sent me home with it because it was all my options. And the first thing I did was start taking RSO. It's Rick Simpson oil. And the one that he created is a THC version, but it cures cancer. And so every night to go to bed, I just took a little of that because I had already had it from before when I had cancer to keep all any cancers in whatever way. I was an avid take this cannabis medicine and I don't have to take anything else. I will never have any issues. And I kind of had that in my head because to me, I, I knew other people that had used this oil and it worked for them, you know? Uh-huh. And so I went, okay, I am just going to do the same thing and I'm just going to make this oil and use it. So for years now, I moved down here to, to Lake County to grow my medicine. Yeah. And I originally had grown it to be able to help other people. I used to grow half CBD and half THC and made two different kinds of oils. And I worked with the clubs here. Everything was great. And then it went legal. And now I can't make it for the clubs anymore. I just work as a butt tender. <laughs> You just work what? But as a bud tender. <laughs> One of my bosses knows my status. And my other boss, if he wanted to look on social media, he could find out. But I don't think he ever would care because he's very scientific. He is very logical. And he'd be like, no, you're fine. He would just be like, you're wearing your mask, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> What's your status uh, with the breast cancer right now? It was interesting to find out. I had the bilateral mastectomy, which is both breasts taken away. And then I had reconstruction. You did? Well, mm-hmm, I, did. I didn't know that. So when did that and all start? August 13th, I had my surgery. I only had it in my left breast. So it was your choice to take to take the other one off as well? Yes, because I figured if I did only one, it would maybe not look the same. It wouldn't be the same. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to do both. That way they can, you know, similar. You know, I didn't want one to feel fake and one to not. I figured that would kind of freak me out. My mom did the same thing, Mishta. I just wanted to, I was wanted to clarify because yeah, she did the exact same thing you did. Yeah, most people have that logic of they want them both to feel the same, even if they're both feel fake. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. think a lot of women have that same logic. So the doctors both were like, yay, the surgery went well, everything's good. And like right now I'm worried that one's bigger than the other, the left one, that they took more things out. They took a lymph node out as well. Mm-hmm. and it's been a little swollen and everything. So I'm going to talk to them about that. They're probably going to calm down and things fine. The original doctor that did the mastectomy that actually took out all the cells that were there, because I took the, the cannabis oil every single night and during the day I took CBD. So from the time that I got the biopsy, I initially said I had cancer to, and that was in March, mm-hmm. all the way to August. August 13th, when I had my surgery, the doctor said he couldn't even find a trace of cancer. Wow. And he said his words were, it was like it healed itself. And I went, what? Did I just hear him? I was like, that's freaking awesome. And he thought I had had chemo. He goes, so what treatments did you have in between the biopsy and this? He goes, did you have chemo, radiation, whatever? And I was like, no. I go, I did take cannabis oil. Really? 
I go, yes, I took a THC version every single night. And then throughout the day, because I took it for my pain when I was had the broken back, well, I still have it, but like I take it every day for pain. It helps with inflammation and pain, but you don't get high off of it. So you're mm-hmm. like totally functioning, you're fine. And so I was like, well, it helps with pain. So I had been taking that for years. And I told him, I go, I took that for years. And then I just added the THC one every single night from the biopsy to the operation. Tell me if I'm misunderstanding this. Because when my mom had her mastectomy, she had it in one breast. And they said, you can either have a biopsy, like you could have it taken out that way. You can have one breast taken off. You can have both taken off just in case you're worried that it's going to come into the other one. That's what she was concerned about, that she'd get it in the other side. And they told her when they yeah. take them off, then the cancer is gone. So I'm curious to know why they were thinking there was still cancer there if you had bo- both breasts removed. In the cells, the cells that they take away, the actual mastectomy itself, all of that tissue goes to a lab and gets the test done on it, the cancer mm-hmm. tests. All the breast material, he's, it's all the material in the breast. Because when they do a first biopsy, what they do is they stick the needle in and take out what they think is the the bad cells and they take a sample of that if not the whole thing and they pull that out and where they do that little test the Mm -hmm. biopsy they put a little clip it's like a little I guess a metal clip and they put it in there so that Mm -hmm. way no matter what they can always go back and find right where that surgery was done Mm -hmm. and that should be there might be traces of other cancer cells and you know it'll just be a traces of that actually being there you know, it'll be the cells around it and it'll be like precancerous or just, it'll, they'll build a know. They said that they would usually build a know and tell where it is that the biopsy was because they do the tests of the whole mastectomy, all of the material of your breast. They take that and they have it tested again. And on that test, it should show up where the cancer was and it should show up like just traces of it. If not, oh, there's a bigger cell good thing we took it all whatever the situation was and he said with me they went and they did the test on the mastectomy material mm-hmm. and they said there was no traces of cancer at all whatsoever. okay i gotcha so it was the breasts that were removed that they tested that they could not find cancer yes. after they'd removed them right because now there's no cancer in my body and there's no chance of it really there's like a point zero one percent chance of ever getting it behind the implants Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. in that material they could usually tell he said usually we can tell or usually it's or sometimes it's a bigger tumor and they just didn't get it all and they go good thing we took it you know all that kind of stuff they should be able to have at least seen where it was did you feel that I don't know. I'm just wondering, did you feel like, oh my God, I wish I hadn't done it because now there really wasn't any cancer or were you still okay with the decision? What they decided was he goes, this is rarely, rarely ever happens. He goes, this is very, very rare. This has ever happened. He goes, it's not the only time he goes, but it's very, very rare. He goes, so what I'm going to do is he's going to, he was going to contact the original office in Ukiah and ask them for the original biopsy that they took that they said was cancerous mm-hmm. and I mean I had a printout that said yes cancerous cells it was in you know this first stages mm-hmm. which was really good but it still said cancerous cells this is the only reason why my medical approved the reconstruction and the, the mastectomy they, mm-hmm. were, they won't do it without that and so I was like okay cool I mean not cool but cool it states that I have it to where I can prove I can get the medical to cover it 
everything's good. And they said, well, now we're going to go back and get that original biopsy that that lady took and test it and see how much different that material is to the stuff that we just tested. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, that's cool. Mm-hmm. And he goes, so he goes, so it won't be there for any other, because I guess they keep a sample for, of everyone in everyone that they do a biopsy. They keep a sample of that in this weird bank, this data bank, mm-hmm. in case anything ever happens, they can refer back to it or something. I'm like, okay, that's really government scientist weirdness, but okay. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, keep it if you need to. It could be, you know, they said maybe, you know, studies later on, they might need to have someone that had this stage of cancer and they want to do a study on it and whatever. And he goes, so you won't be able to do that. We're going to take that sample. Is that okay? And I go, yeah, it's fine. And so I have yet to hear back about that. I'm going to like contact him because he didn't know how long it was going to take. And so that's mm-hmm. been only a few weeks. And so I thought, well, I'm going to write him a letter and go, Hey, you know, what's going on? Cause we can contact each other online. And so I can write him a little email and say, Hey, how did that go? Now, if that comes back where it's not cancerous and it's somehow, then I'll be mad and freaked out. <laughs> but if that comes back, there really was cancer, which is on that black and white printout sheet that they gave me. They said that, you know, it was this much cancer and da, 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 da. they did their little, it's in scientific notation or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Um, you know, I'll take this to the other doctor. And if for some reason it comes back where the sample wasn't cancerous, then I definitely will be mad. It will be like, wait a minute, what's really But if it's confirmed that it was cancer and you don't have it now and all you took and you took CBD um, and I'm not sure of all the technical terms, but uh, maybe you should be calling the CDC and telling them (laughs) what's going on. Very important information for sure. Yeah, I told the doctor, definitely document all of it. I am not afraid. I am not stressed that you're going to use my information for that kind of test or that kind of study. I'm like, I'm down for that. I'm like, let's do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying other people should risk their lives and not do anything, any other treatment. But I mean, because there's some women that they say it's mandatory. Your cancer was too high of a level. You have to take radiation or they want you to take chemo or do any of the things. And I was lucky I didn't have to do that. But in my mind, I went, I'm going to kill this cancer already. And I'm going to take this oil that they, I already have seen from other people that it cures their cancer. I'm going to go and take it. And I'm going to take it every single night. And I'm going to, you know, it's going to beat this cancer for me. And it really, it feels like it did. It really does. Just because of him saying that, it's like it healed itself. And they were like, we couldn't even find any traces at all. Congratulations. I mean, you've been through so much, girl. You've survived like leaving your home at 16, HIV and AIDS, I mean, and cancer twice. Like you're like a walking miracle. Aww. And yeah, it's really amazing. I, um, I think I was so excited to be on this one. <laughs> oh, I'm, I want to wrap this up here. I'm trying to keep these about an hour long. We've, I just wanted to know yep. if there's anything else that you want to share before we end our podcast. Just that you can really live a normal life. I mean, I have two mm-hmm. kids that are HIV negative. They've been negative from the get-go. They, yeah, it's really not a big deal. And then, I mean, I know it's a big deal. I know I've heard you say the same thing. It is a big deal to have it, but it's really not. You know? I say it's not a big deal and everyone gets after me on YouTube about it. And Oh, do you want to share yeah, your YouTube channel? Sure. It's Mishta Madness. That's your Instagram. Is it the same on YouTube? 
Yep, that's my YouTube for that. Yeah, I have another channel, and I only have like 65 subscribers, but yeah. I just like helping people. Yeah. My bigger channel is about, you know, doing the, the cannabis and everybody can grow it in their yard, but. <laughs> well, there's people that are interested in that also. So do you want to share that one or do you want to keep that one under wraps? <laughs> it's up oh, to you. Sure, 420 Shorty. Oh, that's so cute. And it's Shorty with a Y? Yep, Shorty with a Y. And it's it's funny because it's like not the slang, it's S-H-O-R-T-Y. And so it's like all my all my friends are like, oh that's that's you, Mishta. <laughs> I gotta ask, are you are you on the shorter side? Oh, I'm barely five feet. <laughs> oh, you're just a little one. Okay, because yeah, I'm, I'm six funny. feet. Well, that would have been shocking if we saw each other and be like, I would I didn't know that. I thought you were about five seven, honestly. I had no idea. Nope. I am really short. And I just say I have decent legs. So they make me look tall. <laughs> <laughs> well, happy birthday to you. I'm so excited. We're both in the fifties club together, like side by side here. It's, it's yeah. good, right. I'm fine with it. Aren't you? It feels fine. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I was so excited when I first heard about you and saw you, you were starting to do your interviews on YouTube. Mm-hmm. and you were doing the video interviews and I was all excited because I'm like I'll be the only girl with blue hair that That's she'll right. ever have on her show I know. <laughs> People, and I didn't end up really continuing with those because I never found a good way to do it and I just I was videotaping with a camera over my shoulder it was awful I just couldn't figure out how to do the split screen oh, yeah. for whatever reason and I think there's a lot more platforms available yeah, now. I kind of gave up on the idea but now you don't have blue hair now you have purple hair it's like a midnight indigo slightly purple blue hair yeah it is indigo that's a good word to describe it and people can see it on your instagram because you have some really beautiful pictures you just took with makeup done and your hair done my daughter she colors my hair and she did my makeup too she's a hair and makeup artist oh yeah i didn't how old is your daughter yeah she's 23 didn't realize when i saw your post that your daughter was responsible for your beautiful look okay awesome oh our daughter's the best that's great boys are great too but yeah, yeah, I don't think Owen could do yeah. mine. I wouldn't trust him. <laughs> no, I, my son wouldn't want to do mine. My son's like, can't you just have a normal hair color? <laughs> and one more thing we have in common. We have uh, pet rats, right? Yes. Ours just died recently, but yeah, we love our little ratties. I've been so excited to do your show. You have no idea. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. Thank you again so much. I really enjoy this. Yeah. You're totally welcome. I'm glad I finally had you on here. Okay. And if I'm okay. ever in Santa Cruz, I might look you up and we'll have to get coffee or something. For sure. Let me know. Okay, Meshta, I'm going to okay. hang up. Bye now. Okay. Have a good one. Bye, hon. Bye. If you'd like to be notified for any of my upcoming podcasts, be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to help this girl out, then please rate, review, and share my show. Thanks, guys.